Houston Dynamo, Portland Timbers, Sporting Kansas, Los Angeles Galaxy, Beach Pass. Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. Why, hello there. Welcome to another edition of Pitch Pass. Have you been to PitchPass.com? You should. It's all revamped for the 2013 season. It looks very, very, very pretty, and I invite you to check it out. And while you're there, subscribe to the podcast in some way. There's many chances and places for you to do it. If you choose to do it through iTunes, I'm going to keep reminding you, please rate the podcast, leave a comment. That'd be even better, but I don't want to push my luck. At the very least, though, tell a couple of your MLS-loving friends about this here podcast so that maybe we can, you know, spread the word a little bit. Got a good episode for you lined up from CenterlineSoccer.com. The always insightful Robert Jonas will be on to talk about the San Jose Earthquakes as they get ready to start their season, as everybody in MLS gets ready to start their season, including the Columbus Crew. They start their season on Saturday, March 2nd in California, Home Depot Center against Chivas USA. The man between the sticks for that match will be Andy Grunebaum, and he joins us right now on Pitch Pass. Hi, Andy. How are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm great. And now, now I'm sure you probably get this all the time, but this is so. This is the first time we're actually calling like a, a landline, a hotel thing. So when I when I called, I had to get patched through to your room, and they said, "Well, who is it?" And I give your name, and they're like, "Grunie." Yeah, it's a nightmare. And and actually, my my wife went from Sims to Greenabom. Oh, jeez. And her my wife's sister went. From Sims to Scheffelbein. So wow! I'm sure, I'm sure the whole family is just a little torn up there, but it is what it is. Let me ask you a question, because my last sure. name is Roach, and we get that that gets a lot of uh, a lot of stares when we go out. Like you know, we have reservations or anything. Do you use a, an easier name when you make reservations? Because we use Grant. That's our that's our that's our our dinner reservation name. Um. Actually, yeah, I use Green. Oh, okay. So there, you do use a pseudonym. Yeah, we uh, we use green just because, uh, you know, I mean, it, if you try and do green bomb over, you know, reservations, it's a nightmare yes. over the phone. They have to type it in four or five times. And then also, um, you know, my friends for the longest time just call me G-Bomb because you take out the middleman, there's no, there's no spelling errors, you know, so. So you're green. Uh, yeah. So yeah. When, when you're on the road, this will... The, the it'll keep all of the the opposing fans from storming your room. Just know it's under green. <laughs> uh, I think you're mistaken. I, this is the wrong sport. Oh, I don't oh. think we have any oh. uh, opposing fans that are uh, getting too crazy at hotels. Not, none that I've encountered anyway. So, and if they if they try and get to me, they should raise their standard. <laughs> so. so you you guys right now are in Orlando. You're wrapping up for the uh, Disney Pro Soccer Classic, and um, I guess I guess the big question I have to ask you while you're on the road: Does the bunny accompany you? <laughs> I wish, man. It's been it's been almost uh, I don't know. I can't even tell you how many weeks it's been since I've seen her. But um, I it's it's just you know people say it's just a bunny, but uh, I mean it's my pet and she's amazing. And I've been FaceTiming with uh, my wife and my bunny almost every night, and uh, I'm dying to get home to see her. Um, and so yeah, it's it's been it's been miserable, but. Um, Hopefully she remembers who uh, who her dad is, and and you know we can uh, we can 
take time to, you know, uh, bond again when I, I get home. I was going to say, Andy, because when you first started your answer, I'm thinking to myself, does he think I mean his wife when I said bunny? Because that's the way you're talking as if this is a treasured loved one that you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with. It, uh, she, as long uh, we just we're giving her the best home, you know, they don't have like the longest. They live five to eight years and. Uh, we, we've already talked about how devastating that's going to be when we have to cross that bridge, but, um, you know, we won't think about that, but yeah, actually, you know, I, I talk her, I talk about her like she's my daughter. Um, I'm very protective of her and, uh, and she's, she, she's brought us so much joy to be honest with you. I'd never thought like I'd ever say that about a bunny, but, uh, she's been amazing. And, um, honestly though, uh, I was, People people ask me all the time, you know, do, do they act like a what did what do what do they do? I mean, it's a bunny rabbit. Yeah. But she thinks she's a dog. To be honest with you, she thinks she's a dog, and she she rolls over sometimes. She, uh, I mean, she's just incredible. She's what is her lady, name? So. What what is her name? Her name is Rue, like R O O, like kangaroo. Oh, like kangaroo. Yeah, from the yeah. Uh, from the Winnie the Pooh. Yep. Nice. Nice. And the other thing is my, my parents, you know, my brother and I are both married and, um, they're worried that they're not going to have any grandchildren because <laughs> both my brother and myself have bunnies as well. Like my brother's wife had a bunny going into their relationship and, um, they actually had two and one of them died and then they still have one and they have a dog. So my mom's thinks she's going to be stuck with grand bunnies. Your your mom and dad are probably thinking, what did we do to instill this love of bunnies in our sons? Uh, it was just, it's just one of those things that were both of our wives grew up with bunnies or had bunnies. And, um, you know, just, I was told a long time ago, if we were ever going to get a pet, it would be a bunny. We're not getting a dog. And, and so I kind of just compromised with it. I, I love animals. And so, uh, that was the biggest thing was I got to the breaking point where I wanted a uh, pet so bad that I just went to the Ohio State Fair and, and found this one. So, Well, uh, take solace in the fact this time next week you'll be back in your bunny's arms. <laughs> I will do that, <laughs> trust me. Now, the, the, the season is coming up. It's quickly approaching. Uh, do you guys feel that you're ready after your time in Florida? Yeah, I think we've had a successful run here. Uh, we've we've had you know a good string of victories and things have been not necessarily the smoothest at times. But I think uh, with all the new players we have in camp and with all the turnover that's happened, I'd say it's been a success. And we just have to carry that on in, into the uh, regular season. Your team last year, the the crew. F- I think definitely flew under the radar. Kind of people put him to put you guys to the side at the beginning of the season, and then once you picked up uh, Higuain, everything started to click for you guys. And by the end of the season, you were the team I thought that that nobody really wanted to play. Is is that kind of attitude and mentality? Are you going to be able to transfer that from the end of 2012 into 2013? Yeah, I think so. I think we learned a lot from what happened last year and not making the playoffs, and uh, just being being able to close out. You know, if we were able to maybe close out one more game, we would have been there. And that's, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow, you know, a long off season and then uh, right back into it for this year. So I think, you know, we can take some of those things from last year and, and sort of that mentality where we were right there. We were, like you said, flying under the radar. And, and no, I don't think anybody did want to play us. I think, um, you know, early on we weren't conceding very many goals. And then when uh, – when you know Pipa, Federico Higuain, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know Jairo came aboard, we were just we were scoring goals, but we were leaking goals, and so 
I think um, hopefully we've been we've been able to find that you know consistency on both ends, and that'll just make us even more dangerous uh, when we're when we're playing for the zero on our end and, and they're scoring goals up top. So. That's a great jump off point to a question that I got for you on Twitter, and the, sure. the question was, um, are you a member of the good keeper no no defending? club like Dan Kennedy I'm sh- I know for a fact you're going to say I'm not a member of that club but defend your back line I mean look at look at all the uh look at all the turnover we had on that back line last year I mean we we did give up you know a lot of shots and a lot of chances but at the same time you know I wouldn't trade those guys for anything it, it's tough to come in and out of the lineup you had guys stepping up and and playing hard and and a lot of injuries consistent injuries and one guy would come back, another one, another one would uh, would go by the wayside again, and it would. You just never had that continuity, and I think that's a big factor. And uh, plus, you know, over my over my career, from college to club, I've always played on teams that you know give up a lot of shots, and it just it's more fun for me. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, you know, those guys really did the best that they could with the you know situation with Chad going in and out and and et cetera. It's just. It's tough when you don't have that continuity. You you know you do your best to fill the fill the gaps, and we do have the players to, you know, step in and, and do the job. And I think they proved that last year, especially. So where are you guys at? And I'm talking about the defense and the back line specifically, as far as health wise, uh, at this point in the preseason, as you get ready for your opening match. I think we're we're pretty healthy right now. I think we're finding our groove as far as. You know, consistently putting out a back four that has been starting with you know Tyson and and Glober and Chad and uh, you know Josh Williams can play either in the center or outright and he's proven you know he's he's an unbelievable asset to the team because you know of that ability to play in either position and um, and we have other guys that can fill in that have done it that have spent some time on the first team and. Um, but right now, I think everyone's healthy. Everything's re- everything's ready to go. I think we just have to continue to gel over our last game here, and and then our last uh, few training sessions leading into the regular season. And I think we'll be fine. He's kind of an X factor, but you've played with him now for a few weeks. What can we expect from Glauber uh, as a member of Columbus Crew and in MLS? Well, he's just another big body that I think his positioning's you know been great so far. I, I think he's. He's got some leadership qualities, and uh, I think he's a good complement to Chad there. You got you know a couple twin towers in the back there that that really kind of use their body well. And I, I, Chad's when when he's healthy, he's obviously the best defender in the league. And I think Glauber could be right there with him. I think it's just going to take some time to for those two to gel. And I think so far so good. I I really enjoy what's going on in front of me, and I think they're going to make my lives a lot easier. Are they similar players? Uh, in a way, in certain ways they are. I mean, Chad's just a big body and he's yeah. got a huge head, you know. Um, <laughs> the ball just finds him. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes when he's not looking, the ball has found his head, which is something we're we're trying to avoid. But um, with uh, with Glauber, though, you know, I'm still trying to find figure him out a little bit. And it seems to me that they're both, you know, positionally pretty sound. And Chad Chad's a unbelievable one-on-one defender. And, and so far, Glauber's been a monster in the air as well as Chad. So, in, in some respects, they're very similar, and then in other respects, you know, they kind of, they kind of have different sort of bodies and different kind of, uh, you know, skill sets as well. I was looking up some videos of you, 
And uh, the first one that comes up is from thecrew.com, and it's a it's a vote for you. And so it's a nice music video uh, <laughs> set set to the sweet tones of MC Hammer's "Here Comes the Hammer." Yeah, and yeah. I, I just in my head I think to myself uh, as they're putting the video together, they probably got a couple of songs in there. They're pretty good, and then you come in and go, "It sounds great," but I kind of need "Here Comes the Hammer." I mean, I I am the Hebrew Hammer. I need MC Hammer. Here comes the hammer, and I'm not going to sign off on this video unless you make it. Here comes the hammer. Is that what happened behind the scenes? That is, that is not what happened <laughs> at all. Um, you know that that nickname has uh, followed me since college and. Uh, it's just funny that I don't even know how it ended up here because I thought it would just be dead and buried when I, um, you know, got drafted by the crew and, and left college because it was just something my roommates came up with from that movie, um, The Hebrew Hammer. And and so all that stuff is great, and I, I had no idea that was, you know, going on, but it, it's great. But, you know, at the same time, it's it's like, you know, you just got to move on and, and – Last year, what happened last year happened last year, and I I just really want to focus on having a, another good year. But if if I had to pick a a different song, I, yes, trust what, me, what I would your would've. what would your new song be? Because I think it, everything you just said could be summed up in a they used MC Hammer for my theme music. That and then that explains everything about wanting to leave the nickname in the past, wanting to put it away. That could all be summed up with. They used MC Hammer for my theme music. No, actually, uh, you know that nickname has led to some pretty funny chants from the from our our supporters section, and and they get wittier every year. So <laughs> uh, I've actually kind of enjoyed it, and I I think my parents have enjoyed it, and it's kind of just grown. And um, you know, I I don't now it's not. It used to be we're like, oh, that's funny. Where'd you hear that? But now it's you know it's kind of been uh, you know consistent over the years. So uh, you know it's it's no problem for me, but um. You know, as far as the songs go, I'm I'm a pretty big, uh, pretty big music fan myself, and there's so many to choose from. I, it's probably on what day you catch me that I'd want you know whatever song. So probably something from Slash though. Nice, like Slash's Snake Pit or Guns N' Roses Slash. Like uh, Slash and Miles Kennedy. Nice, fantastic. Yeah. One, yeah. I always say Miles Kennedy, one of the best vocals, one of the best voices in rock music. It's it's been that way for a long time, and uh, and actually one of my best friends from high school uh, told me about him before I even realized he was doing an album with Slash, or you know on the first album Slash came out with with all, where he collaborated with all those other artists. But um, yeah, I mean this guy is incredible. It's, yeah, uh, it was it was really fun. I went out to L.A. to visit my brother, and I was I saw Slash and the and Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators out there, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Have you heard his Alter Bridge stuff? Uh, yes, okay. I have. Uh, I have definitely heard his Alter Bridge. Have have the DVD concert from <laughs> Hello, Miles uh, Kennedy's good, biggest good fan. Stuff. It's it's good stuff. All right, so uh, I wanted to give you a second because this this was kind of breaking news, and that's the Will Hesmer uh, retirement. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Will, and, and you know where your head is at with him uh, retiring. Yeah, sure. I, I think, you know, I've, I've known sort of from talking to Will myself that he was thinking about retiring and um, he's always kind of had, you know, a backup plan and he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met, actually. He's just really bright guy, um, very knowledgeable in all different aspects um, of life. And, and so he's a very good source of knowledge for me. And anytime I ever had a question about anything financial or anything else, you know, I kind of, uh, have steered to will first. And so he's been a great friend and a great teammate and, um, someone who I've learned a lot from over the years about, you know, being a good professional and, um, 
you know, just really going to miss him around the locker room, even though we were competing. He's, you know, a great, great locker room guy to have and, and, uh, and an admirable fantasy football player. Oh, admirable. Yes. That means you beat him. No, uh, I, I did win the league. Uh, what's up, humble brag? Did, but <laughs> I'd say as far as consistency, consistency goes, he's, he's been the better consistent owner. Um, you know, I've had better teams on paper, but he's he's really over the years been more consistent. So, you're hot. I do have a championship to my name. I was gonna say, he he doesn't. Your highs have been higher. That's all. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. All. And then so. the the other news, and I love that this is doesn't seem to be a big deal as as it pertains to the sport. Is your former teammate Robbie Rogers uh, coming out and saying that he is gay and. I, Again, I, I love the fact that it, it within the, the MLS community, at least the players that, that tweet, which you don't, by the way, but it seems to be the general thing is, fine, cool, let's move on. Why do you think that it's not a huge situation in MLS locker rooms as it kind of was trying to be played up as we got into Super Bowl week as far as the NFL is concerned? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I don't know. It's a hot-button topic for some reason, and and. You know, whether it's for religious reasons or otherwise, um, it's just something that, you know, is, is a hot-button issue. And, and it's one of those things where, for me personally, it's just if I just kind of have always been taught to be a good person, and it doesn't really matter, you know, with I think religion causes a lot of problems in a lot of different ways, and, and so does, you know, uh, that other stuff. And, and I just kind of was raised to be a good person, and, you know, and just try and try and do that and good things will follow. And Robbie was just that he was a good person. He is a good person. And, um, you know, and so this news is just, it it just doesn't matter to me. And I'm sure a lot of other guys feel the same way. And there might, there may be a lot of other guys that don't feel that way and just are just going to keep quiet. But, you know, I just think that be who you want to be. And, and that's sort of how I've always, you know, just, just be a good person. And Robbie is, and, and, the rest will follow. So without breaking, without breaking the sanctity of the uh, the locker room, was it a surprise to you? Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, I, I'm not gonna lie. It was definitely a surprise, but it was just one of those things where actually I found out when a you know local reporter from Columbus traveled with us asked me about it, <laughs> and I just kind of was like, oh, oh, okay, well, yeah, I mean, whatever, you know, I that's I just kind of did a double take and yeah. that was it. So it, it really wasn't a big deal. It's just. The the thing about it is, you know, obviously Robbie's a high profile guy, and um, and you know it would make news whether he was or not, you know, as an athlete. But the the thing is, is it's nobody's business. It's it's something that you know we obviously it'll make big news and this and that. But in the end, you know, we're talking about a human being, and and you know, for anybody to say something negative about that is just is wrong in my opinion and it, that's the beauty of uh, I guess America is you know you have your own opinion and um, you know I just think that Robbie's a great guy and it doesn't matter how he feels about anything you know he's he's been a great ambassador for Columbus over the years he helped us win a championship and and uh, really and truthfully you know those are the things I'm going to remember about Robbie so well, the biggest thing you remember about this Orlando preseason trip is, will it be medieval times? <laughs> Ever since Cable Guy, I've always wanted to go. And, uh, you know, a group of us went. And I'll tell you what, it was a blast. We had 
we were actually put with the yellow knight, so it was like black well, that's and yellow perfect. colors. And and the guy actually, I know it's predetermined. Sorry to you know uh, ruin that for everyone, but um, <laughs> the the guy actually won, and so it was coincidence. So we think you know MLS Cup might not be too far fetched after all. Um, you know, it, it's, it may be a sign from you know from the gods, if you will, from the Game of Thrones. You know, we'll, we'll see. But uh, it was a great time, and I'm pretty sure if we go back, the Blue Knight might retire. We were in this guy's head all night. So I don't, I don't, I don't really appreciate you using uh, the Pitch Pass podcast as a platform to to spoil things, Andy. I'm not a fan of that. Okay. <laughs> I know. I apologize. I apologize. People, future people who are planning on trips to medieval times are just they're hanging their head now with one tear going. It's fixed. What? I'll tell you what, though, it's, it, it's people know wrestling is for you know a lot of things and and they still go. So I'm sure. True. I'm sure it'll be all right. So I, I, the reason I ask you is is because of the now fantastically awesome picture that is making the rounds on the internet. Uh, give us the backstory on the picture. Well, there's a few. I'm not sure uh, all of them have made it out there you know, oh. on, the, on the internet, but there are definitely more. And uh, you know, we we took one as we uh, as we entered, you know, and, and a bunch of the guys actually purchased it. So I, I can't say that I contributed to that, but um, but yeah, a bunch of the guys purchased the one we took as a group, and I, it was it was said before it even started that no one was going to smile. We were all going to have these. You know, sort of, uh, you know, mean looks and going on, and and a couple guys didn't get the memo, so that kind of ruined it. But there's some better ones than that. We actually took a photo with the king himself, and we were all um, bowing down on our knee, and uh, that that was a good one. And uh, also with the yellow knight, the the victor. So. Of course. So Definitely. I got. So I have to ask you uh, about two people who was a little too eager to throw the crown on, and who did we have to really twist the arm to get the crown on? <laughs> I don't think you had to twist anybody's arm. We were, <laughs> get uh, me that we crown! Were we were in. <laughs> um, we were definitely ready. We we were looking for him, and, uh, and so I think... Who was probably most excited? I, Garrick, Ger, Eric Garrick put his on pretty quick. I'm not going to lie. Um, he was pretty excited. And then, yeah, I mean, we all pretty much followed suit pretty quickly. Um, but the girl, there was a there was a tiny, probably like 13-year-old girl sitting on the row below us. And she was – we were giving it to these knights pretty good, but she was yelling off with his head. <laughs> And so uh, we all kind of just stopped what we were chanting and, like, looked at each other and were like, wow, this girl is serious. Like, she <laughs> wants to see some bloodshed. So um, it, w- it made for a very interesting night of people watching and also, um, you know, some good, uh, some good jousting as well. So the San Jose Earthquakes last year embraced the Goonies. This year, if, if Columbus wins the MLS Cup, we are, we are putting it all down to the Yellow Knights of the Orlando Medieval Times. Oh, for sure. We're gonna we're gonna come back every year. If that's if we win it, we're gonna come back and cheer on the Yellow Knight every year here in Orlando, whether we're at the tournament or not. We'll just take some time off, you know, and and come down. And when this guy eventually is king, you know, he'll just remember us from all the times. We'll probably get VIP seating every time. That's awesome, Andy. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your time in Florida, and good luck as the beginning of the season is uh, just a week or so away. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And a reminder, the crew open up on March 2nd. That's a Saturday in Los Angeles against Chivas USA. San Jose Earthquakes open up at home on Sunday, March 3rd 
against Real Salt Lake. We mentioned them earlier when we were talking to Andy about the Goonies never die. We'll see how they can move into 2013 with all of that great karma they had coming off of 2012. And the man to talk to us about everything earthquake-related is the writer for CenterlineSoccer.com. His name is Robert Jonas, and he joins us right now. Robert, good to talk to you, my friend. Good to talk to you, too. Well, I see you're starting for you. I should, say, I should say talk to you again. We talked last season, and, uh, and things are going good for me for this year. And things, I think, if you are a fan of the team that you cover, going well for you as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. I not only riot, but also uh, sit in the stands with my family, and it was a, a wonderful season in San Jose. Unexpectedly wonderful, I would imagine. I would say so as well. I think if you remember the conversation last year, we thought maybe San Jose would compete for a wild card position, but uh, I don't think anyone had them as supporter shield winners. So I guess the question is how much, how happy are we and surprised at, at the season that 2012 was? And how much is that tempered by the results of the actual 2012 season? Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit bittersweet. You know, you always like to to, to win a trophy, and the supporter shield is, you know, something with a reward to get you into the Champions League. So I think for San Jose players and fans, that's something that they're pretty excited about. But to uh, you know, go out to your arch rivals in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, that's a pretty difficult pill to swallow. And I think uh, you know, if you talk to the players, if you talk to the fans, you know, long-time observers, everyone's saying the same thing. You know, maybe no, don't put it all into the regular season. You have to save something to get it through the playoffs. So here's my question for you, and we can we can break down player by player. And and I do have some specific players I do want to ask you about. If is there any nervousness that it felt like it was a lightning in a bottle type season, and that long term. And you, I, I think even objectively you would be able to say this, that you're not going to be able to count on the late game heroics as often as they happen in 2012, moving into 2013 and, and in the future. No, and I think a lot of people have been asking that question. You know, it wasn't just the late game heroics, you know, the double digit stoppage time goals. You know, you also had a lot of players have career years, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Wondolowski, Stephen Lenhart. Uh, Alan Gordon, the three forwards combined, scored 50 goals. You know, no one's going to expect that to happen again. Although they, you know, they're certainly going to try for it. Um, and then, yeah, you know, it's you know the occasional comeback here and there is one thing, but to uh, basically they didn't lose any games in that manner, and that's yeah pretty remarkable. And so, you know, that was a big, big difference for them. You know, taking all the points from Seattle, all the points from LA. You know, that's those are the big rivals in the conference that they were able to uh, surpass and get to first place. So. You, know, you can't expect that to happen again, and so you only hope that uh, at least they can stay competitive and, uh, especially this season, stay healthy. So I, I've got the names of, of people that I think you can say, okay, these these guys are going to perform, maybe not to the level that they did last year, but you know what to expect from these guys. And, and that list, from, from the starters at least, for me is Wando, uh, Bernardes, Moro and Beta Shore. Is there anybody that I'm forgetting to, to that would basically you could say what they were last year is what we can expect from them this year? Yeah, I think you might add John Bush to that list. Oh, of course, another, yeah, another year older, but as a goalkeeper, you know he stepped up and made a you know a great save one after another when necessary. And another player, Sam Cronin. You know he doesn't get a lot of attention, but you know, kind of playing in that defensive midfield role. I think you know we're seeing. 
the Cronin that, uh, you know, a, a peak performance. He's not going to probably get any better for you. So, you know, if he can also fulfill and, and, and follow that same pattern he has over the last couple of seasons, I think that's a good thing. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Those are the kind of guys that, you know, we should pencil in for having seasons that are relatively comparable to what they did in 2012. And so where would our expectations be for, for, for Lenhart and for Alan Gordon, who is currently injured, correct? Yeah, Gordon's not going to start the season. Even Stephen Lenhart might not start the season. And, you know, those are two players that Frankie Allop has been really waiting to get healthy at the same time because he'd like to play both of them at the same time. You know, maybe drop Wando down into the midfield and, and really go strong up top. You know, you know, those guys have a history of injuries and, and like, especially Alan Gordon, and so getting them healthy is going to be a big part of it. You know, they've got a couple guys that uh, they might be able to step into that position uh, a player, Marcus Tracy, who was a college player of the year, who's coming back from injury as well, but probably won't be ready for a couple of months. Um, you know, another guy who could step in and play up top for them. So, you know, those guys are the wild cards in terms of can they, you know, show up this season as they did last season. And if they do, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that should bode well for a team that you know, definitely has the playoffs in mind. What do you think the game plan is this season? Because uh, it, it can't be obviously, hey, let's wait till the 85th minute. We'll bring on Lenhart or and or Gordon. Somebody will score a goal and away we go. What, what is the what? What's the plan to make sure that last year wasn't just a one off? You know, you talk to Frank Gallup about that, and you know, people have accused him over the years of being a defensive-minded coach, and he's always sort of, you know, dismissed that as as incorrect. And last year, it really showed. Once he got his horses in there, the guys that could, you know, bomb up the the field, especially out on the wings, create a lot of scoring opportunities. You know, that's what he wanted to see out of his guys. And if that leaves the defense a little bit exposed at times, you know, so be it. You know, if it wasn't for Victor Bernardes in the back, you know, I'm I'm sure the Quakes wouldn't have been in a lot of those games with the ability to have the comeback opportunity. And so if the Quakes can continue to maybe do that, you know, to that same tactic of, you know, pushing forward, especially along the wings, you know, really try to keep their opponents on their back heels, then, you know, that keeps their defense from having to work too hard. And just maybe you outscore the opponent again. So you, the, the plan isn't let's get in shootouts and, and put all our cards on the table for the end of the match anymore. I wouldn't think so. I think, you know, they know that <laughs> they're kind of living on borrowed time if they try to do that week to week. It's certainly exciting for fans and very frustrating for journalists trying to file on deadline. But, <laughs> you know, they, a lot of people aged many years, as Frank Yellow said last season, and they don't want to see that happen again. So this year, maybe a little more methodical in the way they, you know, they go about the game plan. And players, too, you know, maybe not sort of thinking they can hang back and just, you know, go at players in that last 10 minutes. So there's a couple of guys I wanted to ask you about that we, we don't know what to expect. Uh, Lenhart and Gordon were two of them. Um, I'm glad you brought up Marcus Tracy. I kind of had him on my, hey, what's going on with him? Um, I, I, obviously, they're high on him, but is, is he a guy that they can count on at some point, being that he, kinda has, he hasn't featured for the, for the Quakes at all? Yeah, I think you have to look at Marcus Tracy as just one of those players that if he is able to contribute, then it's just a bonus, and you're not necessarily relying on him for anything at this point. And the Quakes went out and signed uh, Mike Fusito. You know, he's uh, of late of Seattle, Portland, mm-hmm. and Montreal last year. I think it was his fourth team in 12 months. You know, a guy who you know fits the ethos of the Quakes, a hardworking guy. You're not necessarily the greatest finisher, but he's going to give you his all up top, and and that's going to be the kind of guy they're going to rely on to give them minutes when the big guys are injured or you know as they're waiting for a guy like Tracy or Jordan to, to return to action, yeah, he's going to have to play a big role as well. The other wild card, and, and it's a player that uh, you know, people are very excited about who've seen him play so far, is uh, another Tottenham Hotspur player to replace Simon Dawkins, and that's John Bostock, a 21-year-old attacking midfielder who 
you know, if the Quakes can make a loan deal work, you know, they're hoping to get him for at least half the season, maybe the whole MLS season. He's going to be a major upgrade in the Earthquakes attack. Oh, well, tell me about him. This is uh, kind of breaking news for me. Yeah, he's a he's a former under-21 captain for England who's been playing with Tottenham for many years. Uh, in fact, he's the player with the distinction as the youngest ever starter for Tottenham. And then his career hasn't really gone as planned, and he's played with a lot of other teams on loan from Spurs. And he's out of contract this year, and the Spurs are looking at San Jose and what they did with Simon Dawkins to get his career back on track and thinking maybe they can do the same with John. You know, he's a, he's a really talented, you know, not good-sized attacking midfielder with a rocket of a left-footed shot. And uh, he's played in a couple of the preseason games so far for the Earthquakes. You know, not necessarily the speediest of player, but definitely a talented player and a guy you would love to design your uh, attacking midfield around. Well, let's talk about the guy that you also mentioned in relation to Spurs. There's got to be a sense of pride uh, in San Jose for the fact that Dawkins was able to go back and go into Aston Villa and now playing for Aston Villa in the Premier League. How much is his loss... um, at least for the beginning of the season, going to affect San Jose? I think it could be a big factor. If, if, this, if uh, John Bostock's not in the plans, if they have to go without him, it's going to be a, a team that won't have that guy in midfield with uh, such a strong composure on the ball. I mean, it's one thing Simon did whenever he was in a game. You know, he could calm things down, collect possession, hold it just long enough to make defenders run at him, and that allowed other people to get ready. You know, what you're going to see instead is, you know, Shea Salinas is a player ready to go, but he's all about speed and industry, you know, which is a very different style of play. And it basically forces things into a track meet on the end lines. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it's certainly a different strategy and something that, you know, Dawkins provided in terms of, you know, keeping the pace of the game at a level that all the players could uh, keep up with as opposed to just trying to outrun people like Salinas likes to do. The Dawkins situation for, for the Quakes has been kind of funky ever since he came over. And, you know, it's great to have a player like that available, but it's almost been a Juninho on Galaxy situation where it's like, okay, season's over, thanks. I don't know if he's going to be back. And if he is, it could be here or when. Uh, do you see him coming back to the Quakes uh, at some point in the MLS season? And if you do, when at what point do the Quakes say, listen, either this guy's on our team or he's not on our team. We just can't be going into the offseason and going into the season with this big question mark with somebody who is important to our plans. Yeah, no, you mentioned, uh, you know, the uncertainty with Simon, you know, the last two seasons he showed up in the preseason, was on a six-month loan. They extended each of those loans out to the end of the MLS season. And they were in the same boat this uh, offseason, hoping that they could get another loan agreement made out. Well, you know, Spurs loaned him to Aston Villa, but he's also only under contract through the end of the EPL season. And so he, in theory, he could be a free agent by the time June rolls around and be available for, for any team. And so the Quakes still remain hopeful, you know, as much as everyone hopes him, you know, for the best for him and hopes he can realize his EPL dream, that he just might be available to actually sign out right by the time June rolls around. And so maybe the Quakes will have to wait for him, but he's certainly the kind of player, and Frank Gallup has mentioned this, he's certainly the kind of player that you'll wait for you know, if he becomes available. Well, but that begs the second question. Uh, is, he, is he DP money worthy, and do the Quakes think that he's DP money worthy? You know, nothing came out specific on, on the contract offer, but it was called a very sizable and generous, yeah. offer, generous offer, which I have to believe was, you know, would have made him, if not a DP, but very close to a DP. And, you know, the Quakes have been very reticent to spread that kind of money around. You know, I know they're working with Chris Wondolowski right now to get him another new deal as soon as, you know, the preseason gets close to the season. I'm sure they'll announce something on that. You know, is Dawkins worth DP money? You know, I think if you look at some of the other DPs in the league, you have to say absolutely. 
but I think the Quakes will try everything they can to keep that uh, that figure down if possible. You brought up one of the three wild card players that I, I wanted to ask you about, and that was Shea Salinas. The other one was was Marvin Chavez, and then the uh, the final one was – wait, hang on. I've forgotten who it is. Oh, uh, Medi Bellucci. What can we expect from those three guys this year, and uh, can the Quakes count on them with expectations as we go into the season? You know, Shea Salinas will definitely be starting the season. It looks like everything's set up for for the young guy. You know, six-year pro, he's he's healthy. You know, he started last season on fire as well. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Rafa Marquez breaking his collarbone uh, in a rather dirty play, you know, he probably would have continued in that starting role, you know, well into the spring and on. So I think you'll see Shea Salinas starting. Now Marvin Chavez, he's out for at least a few more weeks with uh, an injury he suffered in the offseason. And it's going to take a little while to get him back to back to speed again. You know, those guys that are speedy winger players, they don't just suddenly get healthy, and especially with hamstring and knee injuries. And you mentioned Medi Bellucci, a guy who was able to step in and provide a bit of a defensive role for them last season when they picked him up on trade. He's out till at least May or June, it looks like, with his injury situation. He'll be starting the season on the IR. And so, unfortunately, as much as Frank Gallup likes having that kind of presence out there, albeit not an attacking presence, but a guy who can keep the ball, you know, they're going to have to wait on Medi until you know, almost halfway through the season. Got a lot of holes, Robert, in this team as we start the season. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll quote Frank Gallup. He said he's a little bit nervous right now because, you know, you look at what the projected starting lineup was supposed to be, and it's missing four, almost five players right now. And even the depth players that were expected to step in, is there's still a little uncertainty with them. I think you won't, you'll see the Quakes, you know, they won't start as strong as they did last season. They probably won't be considered supporter shield contenders by halfway through the season. But if they can get everyone healthy at the right time, you know, you know the Galaxy have shown that works pretty well. Yeah. Then maybe by the end of the season you get primed for the playoff run, and, and that's where you really can make a name for yourself. Is the expectation playoffs, or did last season raise the expectation to we want more than just playoffs? Well, the coaching staff is very uh, you know political, if you will. They just say, hey, we're happy to get a top five spot. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, anything can happen if you can get into the playoffs. Now, from the players, you know, from Ramiro Corrales, Jason Hernandez, the guys have been around the club a long time, Wando as well. You know, guys that looked at last season with an extreme disappointment at, at the failure to do much in the postseason. They are targeting not just the playoffs appearance, but they want to make that run. They want to make a deep run into the playoffs and show that last year was not necessarily a fluke, and, or that I should, I should say last year was a fluke in the playoffs, and that they're capable of so much more. So those guys, you know, the vocal leaders, the, the, the locker room leaders, you know, they're rallying the troops behind that idea. So I definitely think they're looking postseason, and the regular season is basically just a means to get there. Living in D.C., I have to live vicariously through you, Robert, so I have to ask you before I let you go, How's that stadium looking? Well, it is uh, slated to start construction, full construction, in the next week, which is great news. Right now it's still sort of a rock pile. After the very well-publicized groundbreaking, uh, it's still sort of a, a hole in the cement. Wait, wait, wait. So, so wait, what's been going on <laughs> since in the months since we did that well-publicized groundbreaking? Uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, according to Dave Cavill, the, the team president, you know, they've done a lot of design-build work up front so that they could step in and basically just do the construction all in one shot. You know, it's a different style than working on getting permit after permit after permit. They're getting all that stuff done ahead of time. 
so that they can just step in and get this construction done in one shot. So I expect we're going to see some, some things happen really quickly in the next few months, especially with the uh, winter turning into spring. And it, they say they're still slated for uh, a season opener next season, 2014 season. They're hoping to have it ready for the first game. You know, I was just going to ask you that. If, if it's just a, a dirt pile right now, it, it, so it's still that that's still the target of, of opening day next year in the stadium. That's the company line, and and you know, and I know anything can happen, and and you know, some stadiums take a while. There's always delays, which you're never really sure of. But uh, that's the premise, and and given their their contractor, it's the same contractor I believe that's working on the 49ers' new stadium, which is the the next city over. You know, they put a lot of effort into it. It's not a design that requires, I think, a huge amount yeah. of infrastructure work, and therefore, you know, it certainly seems possible that they can get this thing up pretty quickly. Robert Jonas, thank you very much. We appreciate you coming on Pitch Pass and talking all things Quakes. Always a pleasure. For more show information, go to pitchpass.com.